Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Very good morning to everyone listening. You can join the program anytime at one 1170 or text through at 457 736 736. It is lovely to be with you this morning. A little introduction again. My name is Charles Goodson. You may have heard me around the program. I work here at SEN 1170 as producer for Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. Write a few articles on the side on SEN.com.au. A little bit about me. I'm a massive Newcastle Knights fan, so I'm absolutely pumped at the moment in the finals. Also support Collingwood in the AFL. Massively into my cricket as well. Also love a bit of tennis, which is currently on at the moment. Novak Djokovic currently 6-1, 3-1 up against Taylor Fritz, the hometown hero, at least for the US Open. Uh, That game currently on court at the moment. But let's kick off the show with this install of Ream, except nothing less than Australia's best, and that is Ream, Australia's favourite water. Now, the topic of discussion, of course, is the NRL finals, and it was teamless Tuesday yesterday. The teams dropped. And of course, as expected, a lot of changes to the mix. We'll start with the first game on the Friday night between the Broncos and the Storm. These two foes met the week prior, but completely different lineups, of course. A lot of players, star players, rested for both teams. Let's look at the Broncos first. Adam Reynolds returns. He's been out for a few weeks with what appears to be a bit of a calf issue. A few question marks whether he's match fit, but I'm sure he'll be okay. Billy Walters returns to the... Hooker position, Ezra Mam, Herbie Farnworth, Kobe Hetherington, Katoni Staggs. That's important. He missed last week due to suspension. Kurt Capewell returns to the side. Payne Haas, Reese Walsh, Selwyn Cobbo also make their returns. And the big one there for me is Patrick Carrigan. He hasn't played for a while. They've earned on the side of caution the Brisbane Broncos, but he's back. Massive boost for the home team. And for the Storm, well, we know the record there at Suncorp Stadium. They're chasing 14 straight wins at the venue. Have not lost against the Broncos at Suncorp since 2009. That's an unbelievable record. As expected, a host of names come back in the side. Cameron Munster, who... Frank Panisi, the Melbourne Storm boss recently on Mornings with Matt White here on 1170SCN, revealed that he... Had a bit of a knee infection, a, a knee issue that uh, he sustained during the state of origin period. So the week off for him was much needed. He comes back to the side, as does Christian Welch, Alessia Katoa, <clears throat> pardon me, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Marion Seve, Nelson Osofa Solomano, Nick Meany. Now, this is the big one. Nick Meany returns as the starting fullback which means that, of course, Ryan Pappadanson, who started and who was the skipper last week, goes to the bench. He'll be wearing the number 17 jersey. Do you like this move? I think it's the right idea. Uh, make sure to call through at one 1170 or text through 0457-736-736. Also, Tom Eisenhut, Trent Liero, Tui Kamikamika, Will Warbrick and Xavier Coates, the wingers, also make their return. Looking ahead... Saturday afternoon, the Panthers, the minor premiers, go up against, well, just about the most popular team or the most popular bandwagon team right now in the NRL, and that is the Warriors. 
Not too many changes for the Panthers. They played a pretty full-strength side uh, that smashed the Cowboys last week, 44-12. Matthew Eisenhuth comes back. Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, and Tom Jenkins, but mostly is an unchanged lineup for the Warriors. They rested quite a few of their stars against the Dolphins last week. Anifanua Blake comes back in, who's been in red-hot form at prop. I wouldn't be surprised if he's somewhere in the Dallium Team of the Year. Shans Nickel Klukstad, Dallin Matteni Zalesniak also come back. Jackson Ford, who really has come of his own this 2023 season. Jazz Tavanga, Tolhu Harris, Wade Egan make their returns. And the big one, Sean Johnson. Is this his final charge for a premiership for the Warriors? We'll wait and see. This game is going to be an absolute ripper. Who do you have, Nathan Cleary or Sean Johnson? For mine, I think just the experience of Nathan Cleary, uh, what he brings to the table, rarely plays a bad game in finals. This will be an absolute cracker. 4 or 5 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. The next game, there's been a lot of conjecture about this one, about where it's being hosted, but it is at Points Bet Stadium in Cronulla. About 12,500 fans will be in attendance for the Sharks versus the Roosters. Once again, not too many big changes, unlike the first game between the Storm and the Broncos. Got Daniel Atkinson, Jesse Colhoun, Matt Moylan comes back, and Will Kennedy as well uh, for the Sharks. Connor Tracy has been named at fullback, but there is a little bit of doubt about a bit of a knee injury he picked up uh, in their uh, tight win, I guess, over the Raiders. So he's been named at fullback, but... Corner of the Daily Telegraph's David Riccio, who said this on Vossi and Brandy on Monday, that would not be surprised if he is pulled out and that Will Kennedy gets slotted back in. In terms of the ins for the Roosters, the big one, Joey Manu. He missed the do-or-die clash against the Rabbitohs last Friday. He comes back in the centres. Dylan Napa is included in the side. Jackson Polo and the four White as well comes in just on the extended bench. This one is going to be an absolute ripper. That is 7.50 on Saturday night. And now the big ticket. This is my team, the Newcastle Knights, taking on the Canberra Raiders. A lot of people don't think the Canberra should have been in the finals due to their uh, poor uh, points differential. But look, they banked up those wins early. They have really limped into the finals. And they come against a uh, uh, barnstorming Newcastle Knights side who have won their last nine matches. Can you believe that? Nine matches. And uh, they rested quite a few players during their win against the Dragons. So Dane Gagai comes back in, as does Jackson Hastings and Kalen Ponga, those two injured stars. We know that Kalen Ponga has that AC joint in his shoulder. It's going to require uh, painkilling injections, we've been told. So... We'll have to wait and see how it goes. I'm sure that's a plan from the Raiders just to target that shoulder. But look, as a Newcastle Knights fan, I think even if Calum Ponga is 50% fit, you have to play him in these finals. You just you just got to take the risk. Kurt Mann comes back in off the bench. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, who's been out for quite a while with a shoulder injury, he makes his return. Leo Thompson, Tyson Frizzell also come back from the side. And Phoenix Crossland, who really has had a remarkable 2023. He's had a consistent run at hooker and he's... He's arguably one of the Knights' best. On the Raiders' side, Danny Levi, Ethan Strange, James Schiller, Jared Croker also returns to the squad, and Xavier Savage as well. We haven't read that name too much. And, of course, the big out, Seb Chris for that, gee, that awful spear tackle, which I'm sure there was no malice involved, just got the execution wrong against the Sharks. He copped a five-match suspension. But those are the lineups. Those are the 
Teamless Tuesdays from yesterday. We've got a text here from 573. Morning, Charlie. Hoping Storm beat Broncos so the Broncos or Panthers won't be in the grand final. Yeah, that, that's the tricky part, uh, 573. Thank you very much for texting so early this morning is that the Storm Broncos game, whoever wins that game goes straight through to prelim. But whoever loses that game will have to go on the other side of the finals draw and most likely come up against Penrith uh, in a prelim final, which, gee, there's no bigger task yet to a grand final than that. That's how you prove your credentials. So, yeah, big one there. As for me, look, my prediction, my early prediction is that it's going to be a Panthers-Broncos grand final. They've been the two best teams all year. It would be fitting if they both win their prelims and then both advance to the grand final. And from there, honestly, I don't know, flip a coin. I, I think the Broncos have what it takes to beat the Panthers. In terms of a team that can do some damage, well, I think that could be the Newcastle Knights. Looking at their draw, they, you know, they're the favourites going in against the Raiders. They'll play the loser of Panthers and Warriors, assuming that the favourite there, the Panthers, get up. They'll have to play the Warriors, who they have beaten this year, albeit it was back in Newcastle. They'll have to go to um, New Zealand if they're going to beat the Warriors. So it's a tricky task, but. If any team's up to it, it's the Newcastle Knights who might be the hottest team in the competition right now. Do you have an upset? Do you have a, a, a different take on me? Do you have a different prediction? Would love to hear you. Call one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text 0457-736-736. Would love to hear from you this morning. It's the best time of the year, September. There's finals on both sides, the NRL and the AFL. And speaking of AFL, we're about to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to talk with... Our mate over in Melbourne, uh, Matty Cox for Tradies News in a Nutshell. This is Charles Goodsir. Hello and welcome back to Tradies News in a Nutshell. I'm your host, not Daniel Pettigrew. It is, in fact, Charles Goodsir. Uh, call one three hundred o one eleven seventy or text 0457-736-736. We're talking all things footy finals this morning, given the teams have just been announced for the NRL. But we're going to switch gears at the moment. We're going to talk a bit of AFL with Matty Cox, and I believe he may be down the line. Charles Goodsir is holding the microphone this morning, so let's cross up and have a chat to him about all things happening in the world of sports. Now on SEN, on SEN. It's, it's time, time to, to trade towns. And a very good morning to you, Charles. Morning, Matty. How are we this morning? Oh, I'm very well. How are you going? Holding the fort for the first time, I believe, up in Sydney in Queensland. Yes, it, it is. It is my debut. I'm hoping it's a it's a Nick Dacos type of debut rather than a, a Jack Watts one. But uh, look, we'll we'll wait and see until towards the end of the show. Now, the fact that you've come out with that analogy means that this segment is going to go swimmingly because for once I've got someone to talk AFL with in uh, the Harbour City. Yes, yes, it, it is a bit uh, tricky uh, here. The, the only one here is uh, is uh, James, our, our our devoted tech here, who uh, often on a Monday morning he, he's a massive Melbourne fan, a massive Collingwood fan. We uh, we always exchange our, our thoughts and ideas on on the week that's just gone by. We're eagerly anticipating Thursday night, but yes, it's also good to be able to chat some footy with someone for a change, some proper footy. I think you need to educate our uh, other counterpart, Dan Pettigrew, on the, the Red Sharon ball, but that's another conversation for another day because it's the eve of finals, and I've had a text from Dracos off my text machine. It says, it feels like Christmas. One more sleep for us to go in the AFL before our finals series kicks off after 
a weekend off. You, though, had a heap of action over the course of the weekend. So give us the lay of the land about how it all settled in the NRL over the weekend and what it all means heading towards your first week of finals. Yeah, so it was a bit of a strange weekend. Uh, we had a, a, a mass player resting uh, due to teams already being locked in uh, for their final spots. Uh, the biggest case of that was the Broncos and Storm. That was the Thursday night game, and it really more resembled a, a Queensland Cup clash than it actually did uh, a, a first-grade NRL match. Uh, I think you know all the stars for, for both sides were rested. It was a pretty entertaining game, actually, but there were massive restings in that. All the other games, really, Seagulls-Tigers, it was... Just a free-for-all. Uh, defense was optional in that case. The big one was the Roosters and Rabbitohs. That was a, a do-or-die uh, elimination final-type game. Uh, the Roosters getting over the Rabbitohs, who completed the worst mid-season slide we've seen in the NRL. Uh, the Panthers, uh, they pretty much played a full-strength team against the Cowboys. They smashed them 44-12. to They claimed the minor premiership. My Newcastle Knights made it nine wins in a row, despite resting a lot of their stars, including Kalen Ponga. Uh, they secured this spot. And then the Sharks getting the win over the Raiders, uh, but early results meant that the Raiders, even though they lost and have a terrible, terrible points differential, they sneak into that eighth spot. So, uh, yeah, that's how we sit. And teams were announced yesterday, and of course, as expected, all the stars returned for all the sides. Pretty much all teams are at full strength. Tell us a bit more about the Brisbane Broncos. I'm fascinated by their story, considering that... At the end of the 2020 season, and we know it was a compromise season for both of our codes, but they were the wooden spooners and resembled a, a rabble, I think it would be fair to say. They almost claimed the minor premiership last weekend. It's it's a phenomenal story of turning the ship around, really, hasn't it been? Yeah, it's a remarkable turnaround. Even the most rusted on New South Wales supporters like myself can uh, can attest to that it, it, it's good to see. It, it, it's good to see one of the, the biggest clubs in the land uh, sort of reach the heights that, you know, but m- many are accustomed to. When, when I was growing up, sort of that, that mid-2000s, even that early 2010s period, it was the Broncos were just a constant in the finals. I, I'd equate them to sort of Geelong during that period where you just knew that they were, they were a premiership threat every single year. They have the talent. They've got, you know, the biggest supporter group uh, in Queensland. And it's been great. And, and it's been on the back of... Just some really good, entertaining football. Kevin Walters is, you know, I think about two and a half, three seasons with this team now. He's got a few additions like Reese Walsh, but he's really sort of kept the the Pat Carrigans, the Payne Haases um, of that team together. They've just built really nicely and just come into their own. And the inclusion of Adam Reynolds last year really helped. They didn't make finals, but I think there was a good learning curve. And now they've just put everything together and uh, they've got the perfect chance to make a grand final and claim their first since 2006. Would it be a similar sort of parallel to their crosstown neighbours, the Brisbane Lions, and the turnaround that they've had over uh, probably a longer period now, given that Chris Fagan's been at the helm for, what is it, five or six years? But Certainly, considering where the Lions were about 10 years ago, to have been able to turn it around, do you, do you feel as if it's something similar that's happened with the Broncos? Yeah, the, the, I definitely think so. I think after that 2020 season, even 2021 to an extent, they just needed to pull everything apart. They just needed to see, you know, do a complete rebuild, see what they needed to fix, how the, how to... Yeah, just how to start winning games consistently and uh, and just not get embarrassed. I remember watching a, a Brisbane Lions Adelaide Crows game, I think in maybe 2015, where 
they just got pumped, I think, 120, 130 points at Adelaide Oval. And that was really sort of the turning point for the Lions that said, you know, things need to start changing. And I think for the, Bron- for the Broncos, that was when that 2020 season, I think they lost 59-0 to the Roosters. And I think that was really the turning point where they just said enough's enough. Uh, we got to start, you know, making changes. And as a as a Collingwood fan, uh, I, I must say, I, from afar, I love what uh, the Chris Fagan has done with the Lions. Even though um, Zach Bailey broke my heart uh, on uh, Easter Thursday a, a few years back with that goal after the siren, I think it's it's wonderful to see a, a packed Gabba every weekend, and they've made it a fortress. And, and am I correct in saying they haven't lost a game at the Gabba this season? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, where was the Port Adelaide-Brisbane game in round one? I might have to do a bit of digging, but I, I've got a feeling they've certainly had very minimal losses in 2023 so far. Their big query, though, remains their performances on the MCG. And considering that they've flown under the radar for most of this season in the AFL landscape, there's still that query as to whether or not they have got the big X factor to be able to carry them through September and make some bold statements against the top sides, and particularly on the MCG. But in saying that, they did make a pretty handy statement this time last year at the MCG in the second week of finals to say, no, we can win there, which is a similar sort of thing to what the Brisbane Broncos are going to have to do against the Melbourne Storm on Friday night, because the the record for the Broncos against the Storm, it's it's shocking. Yeah, it, it it's unbelievable. It's one of the uh, one of the, one of the biggest areas of dominance I can remember in my time. Uh, that 2006 Grand Final, the the Broncos played the Storm, and and they were the underdogs going into that match. They then won that match, and I was sort of equated a bit to sort of a Kenneth Kerr situation because from that moment on, the Storm have just completely owned the Broncos, and especially at their home deck at Suncorp Stadium, which, similar to the Gabba for the Brisbane Lions, has just become an absolute fortress for the Broncos this season. But even with all their stars out last week, they just still couldn't get it done against the Storm. I, I Look, I, I think that the, the good thing for the Broncos is that most of their squad, the, uh, apart from Corey Oates, who, who's been dropped uh, for, for Jesse Arthurs, who, who uh, beats him for a little bit of speed, a lot of the team for the Broncos wouldn't really remember all those sort of matches, that, that sort of era of dominance. They wouldn't have played in there. They don't have those mental scars. So, I look, I, I don't see any other avenue than the, the Broncos beating the Storm, really, who have, have also sort of flown under the radar a little bit heading into this final series. I don't, I don't agree with you that with the uh, pur- purple scarf wrapped around my neck this morning. Uh, the other element to the finals campaign from a Storm perspective, Ryan Pappenhausen, we've been keeping a close watch on him. Did he play full minutes last week? Yes, yeah, he did. He, he skipped the side. He uh, he started at fullback and then I think um, he moved then to halfback and sort of had a bit of a floating role for the 80 minutes and he was fantastic. Really, really solid return. Uh, at, at least a, a full game returning. He came off the bench a, a week prior to that. But he's now since been moved to the interchange bench. Nick Meany comes uh, back to the starting fullback position. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I, I think that's the, the right move. What are your thoughts on that, Matty? Yeah, I, I think it it would be almost like the, the Sam Kerr style of influence from the World Cup that we just witnessed with the Matildas that... 
there. There's not an injury concern hanging over Pat, but I think it's more the fitness space, and particularly for a finals. And considering that it's a qualifying final as well, so there's a second chance element to all of this, I think it is the right approach to just leave a little bit of in the tank and take more of a, a conservative or risk-free approach. I wanted to chat to you, Charles, too, about the other teams in your neck of the woods that do play with the Sharon, the Sydney Swans, and specifically the GWS Giants, because they have been a remarkable story in 2023. New coach coming into this season, we were wondering where they were going to sit. Early on in the year, it probably looked as though they were on track to finish in the bottom four or five of the competition. They ended up making it into the top eight, and they actually finished seventh on the ladder, which for a team under a new coach is a phenomenal achievement. I know St Kilda have done something similar, but Adam Kingsley is a first-time-up coach. And for the Giants to be able to turn things around this season, and they have been in the past able to produce a shock or two during a finals campaign, what's the what's the optimism that surrounds the Giants in the local region from a Sydney perspective? Oh, I think they're going as favourites for this one. To be honest with you, Maddie, I, I think they thrashed St Kilda. I, I think they've got they've got the game. Um, I think there's just a bit of excitement around more so the Giants than, than the Swans. I think the sentiment here in Sydney is that the Swans are sort of making the numbers. If it wasn't for that, you know that that controversial uh, moment uh, in that game against Adelaide, they wouldn't be playing finals. And it, in my humble opinion, uh, I'm I am a Collingwood's fan, but in my humble opinion, the Swans don't really deserve to be playing finals this year. They had everything to play for uh, against Melbourne uh, in round 24, and they just looked really flat, really lacklustre. I just, yeah, I, I just don't think they're peaking at the right time. I think they're actually on the decline. But the Giants, I, th- that game against Carlton was perfect. I know Carlton rested a few players and had already locked in their spot for finals, but it's exactly what you want to see. And, and, and with the Giants, I think what Adam Kingsley has done really well is He's got the most out of sort of those role players uh, as well. So n- not not your stars like your Toby Greens or or your, jo- or your Josh Kellys who have had fantastic years. But I think their back six is severely underrated. I think Connor Iden has had a remarkable season. Lockie Ash has done uh, very, very well. And I really love Toby Bedford's season this year. And I cannot believe for the life of me that he's been suspended for one match for what really was just, a, in my opinion, a, a harmless bump. But the Giants are... Uh, challenging that decision at the tribunal. Well, they certainly are. That'll be heard tomorrow afternoon. And I wonder whether, well, I don't know. You can't read the tribunal anymore from an AFL perspective. And who knows what the outcome is going to be in front of the appeals board. There's been some few intriguing decisions this year. So it's a, a wait and see for Toby Bedford. But he has become such an important part of that forward pressure for the for the Giants this season. I want to back up on the comments you made about Sydney, though. It was a very bold remark to, to say that they're on the decline. They've been beaten in the grand final last year, 81-point loss. They've. I thought at the start of the year I can vividly remember the game against Hawthorne. I think it was round two at the SCG. And it looked as though they had the look in their eye, the determination, injury, and then form derailed their season for such a long period of time. And even towards the end, yes, there were some promising signs, but they were coughing and spluttering. But they've got 
players back now, and I see Tom Papley and Justin McInerney look as though they're going to return this weekend. I think they're actually a danger side in this finals campaign, and I think the Carlton-Sydney matchup is a lot closer than what some people are thinking. Uh, yeah, look, I, I I just have to disagree, to be honest with you. I've, I've been <clears throat> attending Swans games for the mo- for most of my life, um, and I can always tell within the first five minutes whether they're on or whether they're not. And I think the first five minutes of that Carlton game will really determine sort of how I feel about it. I think the big one, I, I was there on, on that Saturday night when, um, when Paddy McCartan went down injured against Port Adelaide. And I think from that moment on, it, it's it's been a really tough season uh, for Sydney. That that was a really massive blow. I think the reason why, I think uh, the well, one of the reasons at least that the Swans were able to make that magical run to the grand final was the McCartan brothers in defence. They were fantastic, and with Paddy going out and Tom also having a few issues as well, I agree they have been hit on the injury front. But they also didn't improve during the off season. I think look look at the teams around them like like your Collingwoods, um, like your Port Adelaide's who, you know, that they got Jason Horn francis Collingwood got uh, Bobby Hill, Dan McStay, who, who aren't the, the best players or, or the most high-profile players, but they were players that they needed, players that would improve their forward line. The Swans didn't really go out and, and grab anyone. Aaron Francis has been an okay pickup, but he's, you know, not that star that they need. They, they didn't improve. So I think them sliding back down to eight uh, is sort of... Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a good sign of, of where they're at. I, I think, in my opinion, I think they overachieved last year. I think Collingwood would have been a much better uh, grand finalist. I think we would have made the grand final at least competitive. Uh, I don't think anyone's been in Geelong on, on that day when they're in that sort of mood. But I think where the Swans sit in eighth is spot on. Can they cause an upset? Of course they can. I, I think any in any final, it, it really doesn't matter. It's about who turns up on the day. But I just think that the the issues that they've had, especially towards the back half of the year, like you said, coughing and spluttering their way to the finish line, I just don't see them beating Carlton. It's a fascinating, well, it's a fascinating weekend of footy for us. Kicks off with Collingwood, Melbourne tomorrow night at the MCG, then that Carlton-Sydney game, St Kilda and the Giants, which is just as fascinating considering the two storylines of their season. And then the second qualifying final between Brisbane and Port Adelaide, it's a very, very intriguing weekend of footy that we're waiting for, considering that uh, we had the weekend off last week. So we're, we're craving a bit of AFL men's action this weekend. Before I let you go, Charles, and this has been a very, very good segment from you. In fact, Oz from uh, my 40 Winks Tempter text down here says, I haven't heard this guy on SEM before, but I'm loving his NRL and AFL takes. Very well spoken. So don't go too well, because you might get the job for both tradies shifts the way that you're heading along. The the one question I want to pose to you, considering you've alluded to the fact that you're a, a proud supporter of the Collingwood Football Club, yesterday they announced they've reached 106,470 members, which is a phenomenal number. It's the highest ever club membership record in the history of the VFL-AFL competition. What makes a great club, do you feel? If you, if you ignore the results, because obviously that has an impact into how much support that you can garner, and, and particularly for Collingwood in the last couple of years, that would have had a pretty big say as well. But what what do you feel makes a great club? If you, if you look at both the AFL and the NRL and the way that clubs are able to engage their members, what do you think are the good parts of it? 
Uh, for me, it comes down to the players. Um, and I think, uh, just to use Collingwood as an example, I think Darcy Moore uh, has been a sensational captain, has been a sensational spokesperson for the Collingwood Football Club. And I especially think uh, the, the Anzac Day speech that he gave after, after we beat Essendon uh, was, was, was all class. Um, and, and I think it's, it's the way you represent your club. Um, so I, I thought he, he was fantastic there. And I also just think it's whether or not the, those players are likeable. So the Storm, I'll admit, aren't my favourite team, but I absolutely love Ryan Pappenhausen. So I have a bit of a soft spot when it comes to the Storm. So I, I, I think ignoring on-field success, it comes down to the players and how they represent the club. Um, I think I look at a team like the Dragons or, or even the Bulldogs here um, in in the NRL and there have been a lot of report of player rifts and players being disgruntled about sort of training standards and what time they have to come in for training and it just rubs a lot of people off the wrong way whereas look at a team like the Newcastle Knights here in the NRL who've you know nine in a row and all the players are really getting around the, the hype and hysteria that, that's in the Hunter region uh, in Newcastle and really encouraging their supporters to, to get out and, uh, and be lively. So I think that's my answer, Matty. Uh, just the, the players uh, themselves and how they represent the club. That's a very good answer because a lot of the sentiment that's already come through on my text line has been around, you know, the, the embracing the, the heritage of the club and then obviously having that optimism going forward. But the players are such a, a crucial part to engaging the fans. And I'd go a step further. I think it also has to do with the coach and you don't have to look past Craig McRae for what he's been able to achieve as the the Collingwood coach and and the way that he embraces the moment both whether he's on the bench coaching or whether he's talking to the media it's it's authentic it's natural and I think as you said it's a big reason as to why these big clubs are successful. Yeah, and I just can't thank Craig McRae enough. Uh, he's given me some some heart attacks over the last two years, but all have been enjoyable. So I, I'm I'm very nervous heading into this finals. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a pessimistic Collingwood fan. I I don't like to watch them play uh, just because of how nervous it makes me and how awful I get around the people around me. But just um, yeah, really excited for for this final series and. Uh, Good luck to, to all the teams, except for Port Adelaide. I don't like Port Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to I'll our let, South Australian listeners. Yes, I'll let Kane Corns know that you've uh, <laughs> you've said that this morning. Charles, sensational, mate. Congratulations on your first shift, and you've done a sensational job here. So I reckon you can push Dan off the microphone a couple of times when he returns. No worries. I'll, I'll, I'll bump him. I'm in, I'm in at the same time as him. So anytime you want to talk footy, I'll, I'll bump him off, and uh, we'll have a chat. Sounds like a good idea. Charles, enjoy the rest of your morning. You too, Matty. Thank you. Yes, that was Matty Cox there over in Melbourne for Tradies News in a nutshell. What do you think? All things finals, NRL or AFL, who's going to win? Let us know. We've got a text here on the text line. Remember to text in 0457 736 736. This one from 2pm Pete. Good day, Charlie. Good sir. All the best on the debut. Thank you very much. Roosters to go all the way and verse the Knights in the grand final and the Chookies win 12-8. to Oh, look, I like the, the fact you got the Knights in the grand final. Don't like that you got the Chookies beating them, but you're considering you're taking Dom Young away from us. But thank you very much for your text, 2PMP. We've got another one here, another one from 573. A Bulldogs fan, but going for the Knights to win the grand final. Thank you very much for that text. Yeah, really Look, I, I just want the Knights to win a final. Uh, th- that's my benchmark. We haven't won one since 2013. That was against the Storm. So, 
We'll come with some better fortunes. But we're going to take a break here on Tradies News. In a nutshell, you're listening to SEN 1170. Yes, welcome back to Tradies News. In a nutshell, I'm not Daniel Pettigrew. He's off today. In fact, it is Charles Goodsir making my debut on Tradies News. In a nutshell, and good to say that I've got a few texts from uh, some of you out there listening very early this morning. This one from the Big G. Morning, Charles. Nicely done this morning. Apart from admitting that you're a Knights and Magpies fan, good job. Panthers all the way. Well, thank you very much for the encouragement, Big G. Yes, I am sorry that I'm a Knights and Magpies fan, but uh, look, both my teams in finals, it's a rare occurrence, so I'm just going to be on a bit of a victory lap, I think. This one from the Chook Man. Would love to see the Warriors upset the Rift and throw the whole final series into disarray. East to win. Cheers, the Chook Man. Yeah, well, look, everyone's sort of saying, and including myself a little bit when, when talking about this to, to friends and, and co-workers here in the office, that, you know, oh, look, Panthers are just going to make it. But but what if the Warriors cause a massive upset and everyone's predictions go out the window? It's a very, very real possibility. So, look, you just, you just really never know when it comes to finals. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk the US Open. I want to talk a bit of the tennis action going at the moment at Flushing Meadows. We had some cracker games yesterday. Uh, we mentioned yesterday on air uh, with Dan uh, that Carlos Alcaraz won in straight sets. He progresses through to the quarterfinals. And Andre Rublev uh, got it done against Draper, who are uh, from Great Britain. He got it done in four sets, 6-3, 3-6, 6-3, 6-4. Unfortunately, our boy Alex Dimonor went down. He went down fighting, though. He won the first against Daniel Medvedev, but eventually lost in four. Uh, Medvedev winning that one, 2-6, 6-4, 6-1, 6-2. And this was the game of the tournament so far for me between Yannick Sinner, who it might surprise you to say is probably my favorite tennis player going around at the moment. A big fan of Yannick Sinner. Uh, if you're not familiar with his game, get on this uh, Get on this guy. Young Italian, uh, ranked sixth in the world. He made the semifinal of Wimbledon uh, this year, and, he, and he's been there and abouts uh, last couple of years. Unfortunately, he went down in a five-set thriller against uh, uh, Alexander Zverev from Germany. Uh, it, it was a classic, an absolute classic. It was back and forth. Uh, the scoreline uh, really doesn't do it justice, but the final in the end was 6-4, 3-6, 6-2, 4-6, 6-3 Zverev. He now moves on to face Carlos Alcaraz. And the reason why I said unfortunately with Yannick Sinner uh, losing that game is because whoever won that game would play Carlos Alcaraz. And if Sinner had won that, it would have been a rematch of the classic quarterfinal we got last year at the 2022 US Open between Sinner and Alcaraz, two of the young guns emerging uh, after sort of the big four has faded away. It, it, I highly recommend looking this one up. Uh, if you can uh, track it down, find a find a quick highlight reel, maybe even the full thing. It went for nearly six hours, but it was uh, just a phenomenal tennis match. Uh, Carl Alcaraz saved a couple of match points in the fourth set, forced a fifth, and eventually, eventually outlasted Yannick Sinner. So I was a bit disappointed there that there wasn't a rematch, but... I'm sure they'll have many encounters to come. Looking in the women's draw, recapping the action yesterday, uh, Sabalenka continues her good form. Uh, she went, uh, she won 6-1, 6-3 against Kasatkina, the 13th seed. Uh, on Shabur, who uh, the Tunisian who's been in several um, finals as of late, uh, hasn't won one yet. I think she's gone 0-3. Uh, this she went down to Zheng from China, the 23 seed, who watched this game in full yesterday, completely dominated her from start to finish. Uh, she won that game 6-2, 6-4. Madison Keys, big upset over Jess Pegula. Pegu- Jess Pegula of Buffalo Bills uh, family 
uh, fame. Yes, Jess Pagula's family owns the NFL franchise, the Buffalo Bills. She went down to Madison Keys. This was an All-American affair. Madison Keys winning that game 6-1, 6-3. And also Vondarusva uh, from the Czech Republic beating their hometown hero Stearns as well. That one was in three sets, 6-7, 6-3, 6-2. Now, that was yesterday's action. Looking at today, uh, there's already been the one match today for the women's games, and that was Coco Goff beating Ostapenko from Latvia, 6-love, 6-2. So Coco Goff continues her great run. She beat my favorite player, Caroline Wozniacki, sadly, the other day. And there's a game on at the moment at Flushing Meadows in the men's side of the draw. It's Novak Djokovic up against another hometown hero. There are a lot of hometown heroes here for the Americans. Taylor Fritz, the, the ninth seed, who's sort of threatened to, to break into that mold, the, the Yannick Sinners and the Carlos Alcarazes. He, he's up against it at the moment. Uh, Djokovic, we've heard Brett Phillips on SCN across all the shows. He's just saying that Djokovic has just got that look in his eye. It's currently the third set. Djokovic leading 6-1, 6-4, 2-1. And it's currently on serve. He, uh, Djokovic is up 40-15. to 15, So we'll keep abreast of any updates there. And as we see, Spike Lee's in the crowd. Spike Lee's in the crowd at Flushing Meadows. I think he was wearing a, a Knicks jersey. Of course, famously a New York Knicks fan in the NBA. A sad, sad New York Knicks fan. Uh, but yes, but but let me know. Have have you been watching any of the U.S. Open? It's it's a common theme I'm hearing from a lot of people that ever since the likes of uh, Nadal, uh, Federer, and and even Andy Murray to some extent uh, sort of tapered away that this new crop that they, they just don't know who their names are. They're just not familiar with their game. Does that change anything for you? Have you have you stopped your your viewing habits of the U.S. Open? Because I'm here to tell you, if, if if you've sort of fallen away from tennis, get on it. There, there's some sensational matches as Djokovic ties it up. Uh, still on serve here, uh, two all in the third set. Taylor Fritz uh, about to serve. We'll take a break here on Tradies News in a nutshell. My name is Charles Goodsir. Make sure to, to call 1300 01 1170 or text through 0457 736 736. Welcome back to Traders News in a Nutshell. Charles Goodsir here with you on this Wednesday morning. Make sure to give us a call 1300 01 1170 or text through 0457 736 736. We're talking the US Open before we hit the break and I just found this little bit of audio from Daniil Medvedev when when talking about wanting to watch uh, some of the other games here at the US Open. Just uh, give this a listen. I guess in a lot of hotels, they have Spectrum. So I cannot watch it on TV anymore. Uh, but uh, I will, uh, I don't know if it's legal or illegal, but uh, I have to find a way because I cannot watch it on TV. So I go on the internet and probably this, how you call it, pirate websites or something. <laughs> so I watch tennis there, have no other choice. I guess in a lot Truly of Truly a man of the people there, Daniil Medvedev. He doesn't have ESPN in his hotel room in New York. So instead he's resorting to Illegal streams to, to watch the US Open. Truly is a man of the people, Daniil Medvedev. What do you make of Daniil Medvedev? A lot of people hate him. A lot of people like him. Me, I'm sort of in the camp of liking him. I think he plays that, that sort of villain role uh, that you need in, in, in certain sports. So I'm, I'm more than happy for him. Now, moving over to the world of football. And this story broke overnight of Jordan Henderson, the former Liverpool uh, captain who moved over to... The Saudi League, uh, the controversial Saudi League, of course. Now he spent 12 seasons uh, at Anfield, and he, he left at the start of this season. And he said that 
uh, he left because he claimed he felt no longer wanted by Liverpool and Liverpool faithful, but also uh, going to Al Etifak for a, a twelve million pound uh, contract plus a lot of bonuses there as well. That he didn't do it for the money; he he did it for for the passion. He wanted to to join Steven Gerrard. He he wanted to to you know explore his options and. I don't know how to feel about it, to be honest. I, I, I think it's it's pretty transparent to everyone who, who joins these Saturday leagues that it, it's the money. There's a lot of money on offer, and I have no issue with players uh, taking up massive contracts or anything like that at all. Uh, chase that bag for all, for all it's worth uh, as an athlete, but don't, don't try to lie to us as the fans, to be honest, because I, I, that's a pretty bitter pill to swallow, uh, hard pill to swallow even, that... No, Henderson would come in and make those comments. I think it's pretty obvious that everyone who, looking at Live Golf, for an example, that took that money, I think it's pretty obvious that they were doing it for the financial reasons. Set up your family, set up your life, do whatever. I have no issue with any sort of money, but just just don't lie to us. Be, be as transparent as possible, really. Uh, that's my thoughts on the matter. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, text through to any of the shows or call one three hundred oh one eleven seventy and that text line number 0457. 736736. We've got another text here uh, from Jason on the text line. Charlie, how long have you been supporting the Newcastle Knights? And where did you work before you came to SEN? Well, I'll answer those questions in two parts. First, how long how long have I been supporting the Newcastle Knights? Really ever since I remember. Ever since I remember actually uh, watching watching sport and, and watching footy, to be honest with you. Andrew Johns was my, my all-time favourite player. So uh, I guess that's why I was uh, really drawn to them. And what was I doing before SCN? I was at uni. I was at uni studying journalism and radio and managed to luckily land a job here. Currently looking at this US Open tennis match here. We've got Taylor Fritz. Currently, uh, I think he's got two break points. Actually, he does against Novak Djokovic. We'll keep abreast of this game throughout the morning. Uh, with SCN Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy coming up. But currently, it is 3-2 to Telford's two break points. He leads 40-15 to 15 in this game. We'll see what happens from there. Thank you very much for joining me this morning on my debut. Let me know how it went. Uh, did I go bad? Did I go terribly? I'm sure you'll let me know. I'm sure Vossi and Brandy will let me know who are coming up in just a few moments. What sport are you interested during the week? Finals obviously starting. The US Open is on. Plenty of football action as well across the globe. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. This has been Charles Goodsir for Traders News in a Nutshell.